Well, we begin our worship this evening by singing to God's praise. We're singing in Psalm 50, the first version of the psalm, on page 276 of the psalm books. Psalm 50, the first version, verse 1 to verse 6, where we're reminded of how the Lord calls us to worship, how he speaks. The mighty God, the Lord, has spoken and did call the earth from rising of the sun to where he hath his fall, from out of Sion Hill, which of excellency and beauty, the perfection is God shined gloriously. We'll sing from verse 1 to verse 6, the tune is Dennis, and we stand to sing.
We come to God in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, our God, our Father in heaven, as we come this evening hour to worship you, we thank you for your day. We thank you for all that we have enjoyed from your hand already this day, that you are a good and faithful God, that you bless us abundantly, Lord, with many good things. We thank you for the peace we enjoy, peace that we were reminded of even last Lord's Day evening as we gathered, a special peace that we have here that so many other parts of the world do not have, a peace that we enjoy from your own hand and the freedom to come into your place of worship, to come together as a people and to hear your word. And as we gather, we gather with these words that we have sung, reminding us of your very call towards us. For the mighty God, the Lord, has spoken and did call. We thank you for the power that there is in these words, that you are the mighty God, that you are Lord over all, and that you do indeed call all of your people and all people of this world to come to you. We thank you that uh, the psalmist reminds us too of the passing of the day from the rising of the sun to its setting, that you are the God who has spoken, and that to all ends of the earth where your word has been heard today, that power has gone out uh, from the east to the west, and throughout many lands and throughout many tribes and tongues, your word has gone, O Lord. And we pray uh, for that seed that has been scattered to bear much fruit. We thank you for your promise that you will not allow it to return to you empty or void, but that it will accomplish all of your purposes. And we do, Lord, marvel at the way your word goes out, how it is going out through the preaching of your word in person, how it goes out over the airwaves in so many different ways, how it goes out over the internet, every means that there is for your word to be transmitted throughout uh, all ends of the earth that your people hear it in so many different ways and places. And we thank you, Lord, for your wisdom in that, that you will use all means for your glory. We know, Lord, that there is so much that is sinful in our world, so much that is used for evil and wickedness. But we thank you that there are many things, too, that are used for good and for your glory, that you have your ways and means of reaching out to people who are strangers to your grace how even a small word in season can be heard and can transform someone's life even this day. And we pray that throughout the world today there will be many men and women, boys and girls, who have been touched by the gospel, who have heard it maybe even for the first time, and who come to marvel and amazed at the word of our Lord and the person who is Jesus Christ, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we pray for your power in all of these things. We pray, Lord, that you will help us as we gather as your people here to have prayerful hearts, to have hearts for your kingdom, to have hearts, O oh Lord, to pray for your kingdom to come in our midst, for how we need you, Lord, in these days, how we long for you to come in your power, how, you long, how we long for you, Lord, to revive us as a people, Revive us as a nation, revive us as a world. When we see in our own experience, Lord, and with our own eyes, uh, how frail we are as a people, how often we hear of uh, or see others, Lord, who are suffering in different ways, how often we maybe look at ourselves, O oh Lord, and see 
our ever-changing bodies and features, how quickly the years go on and pass us by. But Lord, we pray that in the midst of all that changes around us, that we would see the one who changes not, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that we would recognize, O oh Lord, the urgency of the gospel. That we would recognize it for ourselves personally. That we would recognize it for those around us too. That there are many who are perishing this day, who are lost, O oh Lord, and heading for a lost eternity. And we pray, Lord, that you will burden us in prayer. That to pray for your spirit to come in power. To come, O oh Lord, and convict and convert. To come, as we have seen in your word in many generations, as we have seen in our own islands, in our own nation, and so many nations of the world, down through every generation, Lord, you have brought many people to feel that they are in a powerful position, many people and generations who feel there is no need of God, that we can go on in our own strength. But so often you remind us that we come to the point and recognize that apart from you, we can do nothing. You bring us to see the error of our ways. And we pray, Lord, that you will do that in our land and for our people far and wide, that you will bring us to see, O oh Lord, that as we cast you out, we are casting out all that is good, all that is right, all that is godly. And for our gain, O oh Lord, we can do nothing without you. So, Lord, may you come. May you bless those in authority over us. May you bless them, Lord, we pray, as we have seen and continue to see the turmoil of our nation in political ways and in practical ways throughout our land. O oh Lord, we see so much that is, has changed so quickly. But we pray, Lord, that you will teach us in the midst of it all to look to and trust in you, that you will help us to be courageous, uh, to be bold, to be a people of strong conviction for your cause, and to uphold it, Lord, uh, to speak of it, the wonders of your grace, the wonders of salvation, the wonders that you can do uh, for all of your people. And so we ask, O oh Lord, that you will hear us as we call upon you. Remember us, too, in our homes and in our families. We thank you for this holiday time when we have visitors in our midst and when many of our own people will be traveling to and fro as well. We thank you for friends and families being together and even with us here this evening. And we pray, Lord, your blessing on us in all our homes and in all our different needs as we commit ourselves to you. We thank you that you are the one who is near and the one who is able to help, whether it be in times of joy and gladness or whether it be in times of sorrow and sadness. And we do, Lord, commit to you all that goes on among our people. Remember those who are unwell Remember those who are in hospital. Remember those who are laid aside at this time. Oh Lord, that you will draw near, that you will take uh, anyone who is worried and anxious, that they will be able to cast their burdens upon you. Uh, for you are the God who cares for us. We do pray, Lord, your blessing over us in that way. For all who mourn and grieve at this time, we pray comfort and blessing towards them, that you, O oh Lord, as the God of all comfort, will come and draw near to them. We give you thanks too, Lord, for uh, weddings coming up in these coming days. We pray for Emma and Donald. Uh, we pray for uh, them as they come together, Lord, that you will bless them, that you will watch over them. We pray for Gary and Catherine too, Lord, that you will be with them 
in their upcoming wedding day as well. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will surround them as couples, as families, that your good hand be with them, that you will bless them not just in this coming week, but in all the days ahead, O oh Lord, that you will surround them with your love, with your grace, and with your mercy. We ask all things now, Lord, looking to you, that you would go before us even into this week ahead, O oh Lord. Look after our children and school teachers and all the staff during holiday times and as we approach Easter weekend as well, as we think of all that has been done for us, as we remember our Lord who came into this world to seek and to save sinners, as we consider the great price that he bore for us as he went to the cross at Calvary, as there he died, the death that we deserved. There he bore the pains and the sins of this world. But we thank you that in it all, in all the darkness of, of Good Friday, that there is the hope of the resurrection too, that on the third day he rose again, and that he rose triumphantly over death and over sin. And may rejoice in the hope of the resurrection. May it be blessed to people far and wide in these coming days to remember the Lord and to look to him. So Lord, we ask we'll do that even now, that we'll be able to fix our eyes on Jesus and our praise and our worship, and all that we do would it be to your glory and with the forgiveness of all our sins, as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to sing to God's praise this time. We're singing in Psalm 111. Again, the Scottish Psalter version, Psalm 111. We'll sing from verse 1 to verse 5. Psalm 111 at verse 1. Praise ye the Lord with my whole heart. I will God's praise declare where the assemblies of the just and congregations are. We'll sing from verse 1 to 5 in the Tunis Winchester. We stand to sing.
So we're going to turn together to reading God's Word now in the Gospel of Mark. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. We take up our reading from the beginning. And we just want to notice the context here as we take up our reading in chapter 6. It's following on from Jesus performing miracles among the people there when uh, he healed the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years and also raised from the dead uh, Jairus' daughter. Um, as we'll see in the Gospel of Mark, things move along at a pace. And as we come into chapter 6, we see Jesus and his disciples with him moving on through villages and towns in the Gospel with them. That's going to be our theme this evening as we think of the Gospel uh, passing by. So in Mark chapter 6 from verse 1, we read down to verse 13. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not, to, and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And so on. And may God bless that reading from his word. Again, turn to sing to God's praise. This time we're singing the Sing Psalms version, Psalm 43, page 54 of the Psalm books. Psalm 43 in the Sing Psalms, page 54. We can sing the whole of this psalm together. Come, vindicate me, O my God. Against this nation plead my cause. Deliver me from wicked foes and hypocrites who break your laws. Now, verse 3 we have these words, uh, and we pray for that power in our land today. O oh, send your light forth and your truth. Let them direct me in your grace and bring me to your holy hill into your sacred dwelling place. We'll sing the whole of this psalm, the tune is Rockingham, and we stand to sing.
Uh, can we turn back together to a reading in the Gospel of Mark? And these verses that we read together in chapter 6 from verse 1 down to verse 13. We're just taking into account all that we see in these verses of Jesus and the disciples going out uh, with the Word of God, with the Gospel, to many different places. Now, as we look at this Gospel, we can take verse 6 as we read it there just as a, a text he said, uh, he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went about among the villages teaching. As you go through the Gospel of, of Mark, uh, as you read through it, you find it's very fast-paced. Things move on very quickly from section to section. Even just considering coming into chapter 6 here, what what we had just before, immediately before this, was Jesus uh, healing the woman who had the issue of blood and also raising to life Jairus' daughter. And then you would think there may be a pause there just so that people would have a chance to ask questions or maybe to fill in all that's happened. But then you're almost immediately moving on to the next part. He went away from there, it says in verse 1 of chapter 6, he came to his own hometown. And it's a theme that you find right throughout this gospel. It moves on very quickly. The word immediately appears quite often at different parts throughout this gospel. Things moving on at pace, things moving on very quickly. And as we come to look at this passage this evening, in a sense that's part of what we're thinking about this, this evening together, is how things move along so quickly for us. We often think about the phrase, where has the time gone? And we maybe say that to ourselves so often in so many different experiences. Where has the time gone? And the difference it makes in our lives, maybe the older we get, the more we look back and we start to look at many different things and how they've changed over time. Where has the time gone? Time passing quickly is sometimes seen in a positive way. You hear the phrase too, time flies, when you're having fun. When things are going well, when there's much to enjoy in life, you find that time can pass very quickly. I'm sure teachers and pupils, people are enjoying a holiday over the next few weeks, they'll look back in a fortnight's time and think, wow, how quickly time went by. And yet when you're looking at it, maybe when you're in school, you're thinking, oh, how slowly time is moving on. When you're enjoying yourself, when you're having fun, time seems to go past so quickly. Time flies when you're having fun. We also look at our lives in other different ways and find things that are passing us by so quickly. We think of even just looking around ourselves here this evening when we have families gathered together, people who have children, and you see them growing up and how quickly the time goes past, how quickly our children grow, how quickly, as we said, holidays can go past, how quickly the years go by. We say it about so many different things in our life. And that sometimes leads us to a sense of concern. Time flies when we're having fun. There's a positive sense in that. But there's also a concern when we think about the time going past so quickly, especially when we think of years going past so quickly for us. It should make us ask the question, well, what have I done 
Or what am I doing with my time? What am I doing with all the time that I have? So time passes by so quickly. And you think of this gospel written 2,000 years ago. It seems such a long, long, long time ago. And yet down from this period, down through all the generations to our own day-to-day, everyone who has been alive throughout that period would say the same thing, time is passing by so quickly. 2,000 years is nothing in the sight of God. Sounds a long time in our experience, but it's nothing in the sight of God. But this passage reminds us too that just as time is moving past so quickly, there's something else that can pass us by so quickly too. And that is the gospel. The gospel is passing us by so quickly. Here we are gathered again. We're hearing the gospel. What are we doing with it? It's passing us by once again. Are we allowing it to penetrate? Are we listening to what it's saying? Or do we just keep going and we're going to have another opportunity to hear it again and again? The gospel is passing us by. And as you look at chapter 6 here, that's what we're reminded of. Just how quickly the gospel is passing by. Jesus, it says in verse 1, he went away from there where he had been where these miracles had taken place, came to his hometown with the disciples. And there it says in verse 2, on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. He began to teach. In verse 6, at the end of that verse, it says, he went about among the villages teaching. Then in verse 7, he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He put them away to go and teach. The gospel was passing people by here. And that's a concern. And it should be a concern for ourselves. What are we doing with the gospel? As we're hearing it, are we just allowing it to pass us by? Or are we listening to the urgency of it? Are we listening to what it's saying to us and the need to recognize what the gospel is all about? What the gospel is teaching us? The need of a Savior and the need to listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the need to realize that he is the only one that can save us from our sins. The gospel is good news. And how do we need good news today? So here the gospel is being spread throughout towns and villages, passing people by. And today the gospel is passing by too. Passing through our nation, passing through our lands, passing through all ends of the earth in so many different ways. But immediately here, the context this evening, it's passing by ourselves, passing through our ears, passing into our hearts. But is it taking hold in that place? Do we listen to the gospel as we hear it, or do we ignore it? Do we just let it pass us by and want nothing more to do do with it? Well, As we see in this passage, the people who heard the gospel, there was both a positive response to it and also a negative response. And that's so often the case with the gospel. 
And even to this day, that's the way it so often lands with people today. There will be those who will respond positively, those who love to hear the gospel, those who long to hear more of the gospel, of this good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, how it encourages us, how it builds us up, how it strengthens us for our day-to-day lives, how it helps us to go into the week that lies ahead, how it gives us courage and boldness to go out into the world around us, knowing that with the Lord on our side, we have this mighty God, the Lord, with us, the one who has spoken, the one who has called us to follow him. So there are those who respond positively. But there are also those who respond in a negative sense, in a negative way. Those who will just let it pass by, take no heed, listen to nothing that it says, and just let it go. Maybe to come back and hear it another time, God willing, but for now, I want nothing more of it for the rest of the week. I can manage by myself through the week that lies ahead. I can go on in my own strength. It's nice maybe to hear it just now, but that's all I need. But we are being reminded in God's word again and again how much we need the gospel, how much we need the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're reminded of it through his word. We're reminded of it through his providence and the world in which we live. How apart from him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing in our own strength. And so I want us to think of the positives and the negatives here of the gospel passing by. The positives and the negatives of the gospel passing by. We're going to start with the negatives of the gospel passing by. So we want to end on a positive note, but we will start by looking at the negatives of the gospel passing by. And there's two negatives I want us to take from this passage. And you say to yourself, well, how can there be anything negative about the gospel passing by? You think if the gospel is going out, that's all that matters. That's all that counts. God can do so much as the gospel is passing by people. It's him alone who has the power to save, the power to salvation. So how can there be anything negative about the gospel passing by. Well, we see it in different ways here, and especially we see it among the people in this passage, and we see it in the way that they respond. And the two ways that we want to see the negatives here is how they respond as Jesus is teaching, how they respond to all that they are seeing of this Jesus. And the first negative we see is how they respond to Jesus. And especially the kind of the questions that they ask as they are hearing him teaching. And how we see here the negative side of the gospel passing by. How dismissive people are. We read that in verse, first of all in verse 2 and verse 3. On the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty words done, works done by his hand? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, 
the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense to him. They were astonished by all that they heard and all that they saw, and yet they took offense to him. And you see, the negative here is the way they respond to Jesus, the way they respond to all that Jesus is doing in their midst, and especially the kind of questions that they ask of him or ask of those around them. He had taught them, and he had done miracles in their midst, but their question isn't, who is this? The question is, how? How can this be? How can these things happen? And if you just go back to chapter 4, at the end of chapter 4, in verse 35 down to the end of that chapter, there you see a very different response to Jesus in the midst of a miracle. His disciples were with him in this boat as they were crossing over the sea. And a great storm arose. And the disciples' first response is, in verse 38, do you not care that we are perishing? It's as if they think Jesus has no interest in us, no concern for what's happening here. And Jesus, he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? But look at the response of the disciples in verse 41. They were filled with great fear. And that's a reverent fear, a godly fear. And said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And you see the difference there. Who then is this that the wind and the waves obey him? Whereas in chapter 6 here, the response of the people is not who is this, that he can do all of these things, but it's how. Where did he get his wisdom from? How can these things, how are such mighty works done by his hands? Instead of being the right fear of God in their hearts, marveling at who it is that before, is before them and asking, who is this? And why is he doing this? Instead of seeing themselves as they should or as the disciples were uh, reverently having this godly fear of Jesus, there's almost just this nature of how can this be possible? And so way so many people respond today as well. Instead of seeing Jesus and all that he's done and saying, who is this? How much do we need this man, Jesus? What can he do for us even now? They're asking, how? How can that be possible? You don't need to believe that. That's just a load of nonsense. Isn't he the carpenter, as it says here, or the carpenter's son, as it says in other places? Isn't he just the son of Mary? Isn't he only the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Isn't this just a normal man? How? Is this possible with him? Instead of seeing who he is, instead of having this awe and wonder and marvel at, is this, this not the Son of God? Is this not the Messiah who God has sent into our midst? 
We see so often in the Gospels especially these two kinds of responses. People who see Jesus and the miracles he performs and the wonders of his teaching and are astonished in the right sense of the word and don't just turn that against him and throw him away as it were. They took offense to him, it says here. So many take offense to Jesus today and just push him away. And that's the negative of the gospel passing by. We, we fail to realize who it is. We fail to realize what has been done for us. We fail to realize the miracle of Jesus in our midst, that God sent his Son and that he is passing us by, the one who has the words of eternal life. Jesus came to seek and to save. And they're not asking who is this? They're asking how. And as the gospel passes by ourselves today, what is our response? Are we asking, how is this possible? Or are we asking, who? Who is this? And how can I know him? How can I know more of this Jesus and the wonders of what he has done? The second negative we see here of the gospel passing by is the hardness of their hearts. We see that in verse 6. He marveled because of their unbelief. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, he had seen it with the disciples in chapter 4. He said to them, do you still not have faith? But here he's marveled that even in the midst of the teaching and everything that he's doing, he's marveled because of their unbelief. Now, what's interesting here is he's not amazed, he's not marveling at their sinfulness. He's not astonished at how sinful they are. What's astonishing is their unbelief, the hardness of their hearts. Because Jesus knew coming into this world that he was going to be despised and rejected and all of these things. That there was going to be, he was coming into a, a sinful world among sinful people. But yet he's left here marveled because of their unbelief in the midst of all that he's doing for them. And somebody once said this, the greatest obstacle to faith is not the failure of God to act, he has done his part. It is the unwillingness of mankind to respond and believe. God has done all for us. And yet still there's unbelief. Still there's this hardening of hearts. And the hardening of hearts here is almost deadening the work of, of God in their midst. It says in verse 5, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. They didn't want to know. They didn't want Jesus in their midst. They didn't want his miracles or his blessing in any way. And so what did he do? He moved on. He went on. As it says at the end of verse 6, he went about among the villages teaching. He carried on. The gospel was passing by. 
and in the hardness of their heart. They were missing the blessing of Christ in their midst. And to this day, it's an attitude that's prevalent in our society. This hardening of heart, this turning away from God, this offense to the gospel and to the church, to the cross, to everything that Christ has done for us. There's this hardening of heart against it. And the sad thing about it, just as it is in this passage, just as it is today, that people do not realize who they are hardening their hearts against. That they do not realize what he has come to done, to do, and, and why. They're missing out on so much. Jesus is such an offense to people. We're seeing it again and again in these days. That anything to do with Christ, anything to do with faith, anything to do with Christianity, it's held with suspicion and contempt at times. And the cross becomes the symbol of offense without realizing the wonder of the cross, that Jesus came to the cross to save us from our sins, but we, we push it away. A few years ago, it's a number of years ago now, I remember reading about someone who made a comment on the British flag. And the British flag that's made up of, of three different crosses. And you see the colors there in the flag, the red, the white, the blue. And it's the red and the blue that, that make up the crosses. And the person was saying, the British flag will soon have to change because the crosses that make it up have become such an offense to people. They'll want it removed. And what are we left with then? We're left with the white flag of surrender. We're surrendering ourselves over to our sin, giving up all that is good and powerful of the cross of Christ and waving the white flag of surrender through the hardness of our hearts. That's the negative of the gospel passing by. The hardening of hearts surrenders ourselves to sin and surrenders ourselves to a lost eternity. The gospel is passing by. And it's passing by so quickly. And what are we doing with it? Are we listening to it? Are we asking the wrong questions of it? The how instead of the who? Are we hardening our hearts in unbelief? Or are we seeking to come and bow before the Lord? The gospel passes by. And we need to see our need of it as it does. And that's what leads us to the positives. To the positives of the gospel passing by. And there's two I want to take from this passage this evening. And the first and the greatest positive is this. The gospel is passing by. That God hasn't turned silent towards us. That God hasn't turned away completely from us. But that God is speaking. And that God has spoken as he has in the past, as we're reminded in the book of Hebrews, how he spoke in the past through the prophets in the Old Testament. 
and how now he is speaking through his Son, Christ Jesus. And that's the wonder of the gospel that we see here in Mark. That as Jesus is passing through towns and villages, as the gospel is passing by, there is the positive in it. They are hearing the gospel. And that's the same for ourselves today as well. That God is speaking. The mighty God, the Lord, has spoken and did call. That's the psalm that we sung earlier. And that that is true today as well. That the mighty God, the Lord, is still speaking. And what does that remind us of? It reminds us of the love of God to this world and to his people. That he has not rejected us. That he has not left us to our own desires entirely. But that God is still there to be turned to. God is still there to be heard and to be believed. That he loves us with such a great love. That God, his word, his gospel is being proclaimed. It's the greatest positive we can have. There was a man called Henry Ward Beecher. He was an old preacher and he loved to to go and encourage young preachers and to help them along the way. And he'd been listening to this young preacher preach one day. And he said to him after he'd been preaching, he said, you love to preach, don't you? And the young preacher replied, I surely do, I do, I love to preach. But then his response to this young preacher was, but do you love the people to whom you're preaching? Do you love the people to whom you're preaching. And that was a lesson for the young preacher. It's not just about to love to preach the word of God, but to love the people who you're preaching to. And it's not just a lesson for the preacher. It's a lesson for us all. A lesson for us all when it comes to the gospel passing by and the positives that there are in it, that we are to be salt and light in this world, that we are to love the word of God with all our hearts, but that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves too, that we are instruments to carry the gospel, to share the gospel, to show and live out the gospel among the people around us, that that is our duty, that we see the great love of God towards us, that he loves us, that he speaks to us, that he encourages us. And that we would go from here, even this evening, with that sense of joy and love in the Lord, to love those around us. God's love is unchanging. It is a steadfast love. And we are reminded of it throughout the Scriptures again and again. So many people will, if they do have any word of God's to say, well, if he is real, how can he allow so much evil and sorrow and sadness in this world. And they say that can't be a God of love. And yet God himself says in Isaiah, just one passage we could take, Isaiah 45, verse 22, he says, turn to me and be saved all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. There is no other way to salvation. There is no other way to peace and eternal life, but through him. And he says to all the ends of the earth, 
To all who will listen, he speaks, this mighty God, the Lord, and he says, turn, turn to me and be saved. There is his love, the love that he provided for in the sacrifice of his own son, that he would be lifted up and that people would look to him and be saved. And so we see in this passage Even as Jesus sends out others, as he sends out the twelve, he sends them out with authority to go and proclaim the gospel to all ends of the earth. As you carry on into the book of Acts, the aim of the church should always be to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to all ends of the earth. And we take heart in that, that the gospel is still passing by. We think of texts where Jesus shows his love, his compassion, as he sees in Matthew 9, for example, towards the end of that chapter, as he sees the people as sheep without a shepherd, he has compassion on them. And he says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's not just to send out preachers, ministers in the gospel. Whether the church as a whole would be sent out into the harvest field to reap the harvest. The positive, even today and here in the passages, the gospel is passing by. The good news is still with us. The final thing we take from this passage is the positive of the fact that the gospel can make all the difference. The gospel can make all the difference. As, it's, as Jesus says there, he marveled because of their unbelief. The fact that they couldn't grasp for themselves how much they needed the gospel, how much the gospel could make such a difference in their life. They failed to believe. They failed to trust in that. And what difference can the gospel make to us? Well, even if you go back into chapter 5, you think of the woman with the issue of blood. You think of Jairus's daughter. You think of the disciples in the storm in chapter 4. You read through the gospel of Mark, and you see for yourself the difference the gospel makes. It is the power of God to salvation. It is a way to eternal life. But the question is, do we believe it? Do we believe with all our heart that the gospel can make all the difference in our lives? Do we believe in all our heart that it can make the difference in the lives of those around us? If I were to ask you this evening to put up your hand if you believe in God, I'm sure the majority of hands, I hope, would go up. If I was to ask you to put up your hand, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm hope and I'm assured that most of the hands here would go up. But there's a difference between believing these things and having faith in these things. I want to share with you a story about a man who was a tightrope walker. His name was Charles Blondin. 
And he was a famous tightrope walker in the 1800s, the mid-1800s. And especially famous for walking across a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And he would do it in many different ways. He would walk across it. He would dance across it. He would go across it blindfolded. And large crowds would gather and watch him going back and forth on this tightrope with the Niagara Falls below him. And they were awestruck by the way it looked so simple to him. There was this one day, it was in August 1859, and he was going across the tightrope with a wheelbarrow. And he went back and forth with a wheelbarrow, no problem. He put a load of bricks into the wheelbarrow again, back and forth, no problem. Then he turned to the, the large crowd that had gathered. He says, who here believes that I could take a man across in the wheelbarrow, across on the tightrope? And everyone cheered and put up their hands. They all believed that he could do it. So then he turned to the crowd and asked, who will volunteer to go in the wheelbarrow? And all the hands immediately went down. No one was willing to volunteer to go into the wheelbarrow to go across. On one hand, they believed that he could do it. But on the other hand, there was no faith to trust that they could do it for him. And when we think of the gospel passing us by this evening, when we think of all that goes on in our lives, we may be saying in our hearts, yes, I believe in God. Yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the question is, do you have faith in him? Are you putting yourself over to him with that sense of entrusting everything to him, that he holds you in his hands, that he has your soul secure for all eternity? Do you believe, but do you have faith? The gospel is passing by. It's passing by so quickly. And the years go past so quickly. And the gospel we hear again and again. Maybe we believe it. But the question is how much? Do we believe it with all our heart? And do we have faith in the Lord Jesus? that he is able to carry us from time to eternity, secure with him. The gospel is passing by. We see negatives where people ask the wrong questions. The how instead of the who and the why he's done it. We see people who respond with unbelief and hard hearts but we rejoice that the gospel is still passing by, that we still have the opportunity, that we still hear it. But we ask the question, are we of unbelief? Or do we believe that he is God and that Jesus Christ has come into this world? But more than that, do we have faith? Do we have faith in him? that he will hold us secure for all eternity. That is the gospel. Jesus 
will keep us secure. And we need faith in the gospel to hear it as it's passing by and to believe with all our heart. And that is why we look to God. The mighty God the Lord has spoken and did call. The gospel is passing us by again. Don't let it pass by in unbelief, but believe. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we rejoice that you speak and help us to have ears to hear what you say to us. We thank you that the gospel is good news for us, that the gospel is what can make all the difference in our hearts and in our lives. And we pray, Lord, for your spirit to apply it to our hearts and to give us not just belief in our hearts, but through faith and repentance and turning to you. So, Lord, we ask you'll continue with us to guide us, bless us, and watch over us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to conclude by singing to God's praise in Psalm 147, uh, the Sing Psalms version, page 193. Psalm 147, page 193. We sing from verse 15 to verse 18. And this is a psalm that reminds us of the power of God's word and how sometimes it seems to go out on hard ground, but how it has the power to melt the hardened hearts. To all the corners of the earth, the Lord's commands proceed. For when he speaks, his word goes forth through all the world with speed. He spreads the snow as wool, the frost like ashes on the land. He hurls forth icy hail like stones. Who can such cold withstand? But when he sends his mighty word and makes the warm winds blow, the frozen waters start to melt and once again to flow. We'll sing these three stanzas to God's praise. The tune is Orlington and we stand to sing.
After the benediction, I'll go to the door to my left. We'll close with the benediction. Now may grace, mercy, and peace from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.